You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. And so I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who met the challenges of their time in a good way and have this great legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to offer to us. I call out to these ancestors and ask them to help us to make connection with them so that they can assist the living in doing what it is that we are meant to do, to create a world that is worthy of those who are coming. And I call out to these ancestors to be with us from their many, many, many uh, different cultures, different times, different ways, to be with us here to help us in this time of such potential and great diversity. I ask these ancestors to help us to recognize this time as a time of great potential, our diversity as a source of great creativity, and let us uh, not find ourselves in a failure of imagination. And I call out to those ancestors who are not inhuman in form, but were here on the planet long before there was ever a human, and will be here, I'm sure, long after. And I call out to those helping spirits, those spirits of the land, and all the different forms of life here on earth. I call out to these spirits to help us to find our way to be better at being our part in that great web of life, to do what is really our responsibility to do, and to do it well, and to do it with heart, and to do it in a way that all other life is happy and joyful that we're here, that life can enjoy our songs and our prayers and our blessings and be glad for those humans. And I call out to all of these ancestors, human and non-human, to come and gather round us here today and to help us. And as the helping spirits are gathering round us, let us draw our awareness from wherever it might be into our heads. And with the next breath from our heads to our hearts, and with the next breath from our hearts down to our bellies. And let's take a moment and do one thing, which is simply to touch the earth for a moment and give thanks for this day. Thanks for all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment, all that is and all that will be. Let your gratitude begin to move in your heart for life, for beauty, for wonder, for diversity, and for the generosity in this dreaming that anything that needs to change can be changed as long as we are still breathing. We give great, great gratitude to the earth for her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of the planet. And with this gratitude in our heart, let us move our energy down through all the layers of the earth into the very center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there. That we might choose to be grounded deeply in this energy that renews and restores this energy that is the potential before it rises to the face of the earth and becomes all of this abundance that we all share and that we all need. For life. Let us connect down to this energy that rejuvenates and nourishes, that is still 
that is dark and that is silent. And let us draw this energy up as we draw up fresh water on a hot day. Let us draw this energy up into our being, into our day, into these proceedings. And let us use this energy of the earth to be better at being grounded and present. And in our groundedness and present, let us begin to understand where it is that we do stand in life, what we stand for. And to build a sense of home and community around that. And to do such in a way that we open to the other. That we invite the other in. That the other might challenge and provoke us into truly becoming the men and the women that we are destined to be. And as we draw on this energy of the earth to create a sense of hearth and home and belonging and connection. Let us become more connected with all the parts of ourselves. Better able to be connected with the environment around us and connected ultimately with the spirit world. And may we be blessed in this day to have at least one moment of feeling ourselves in that great web of life, in that oneness. And may we take our right relationship with ourselves from that oneness and from that right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And let us draw this earth energy up from our belly to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and let us rise with it up and out through the sky and the atmosphere out into the cosmos past all the heavenly bodies all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy in whatever way you conceive of it if you have no name for it, reach it, connect it, connect to it, see yourself in it and it in you and draw this energy down down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call in the energy of blessing, this essence energy that is all around us. We call in the essence of protection, of generosity and commitment and devotion. We call these energies in. We call in the benevolence and the, all the wisdom of the cosmos. And we call in the beneficence of this larger universe in which we exist we call it all in and draw it down into our heads our hearts our bellies and send it down to the center of the earth we take a moment of wonder to recognize that we as humans are this place that these two great energies come together heaven and earth yin and yang these energies come together within us in this big love that birthed this entire experience of existence that we all share into form And may that love awaken the spirit of our hearts. And may our hearts become big and full and true to our destiny. And may the crucible in our heart open up to call up the fiery passions of our belly and draw down the crystal clarity of our minds. And let them move together in our hearts in a way that gives birth to that third and most sacred thing, that sense of why we are here. And may we find the courage in that same human heart to do something large or small in this day, to bring that sense of why you are here to bring your gifts to bring whatever that unique genius is out into the world in some way and we give great gratitude for all the spirit help the spirit help that is countless the spirit help that is all around us all the time helping us to do this we have such gratitude and we ask that what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things And I want to give special thanks to Jane and Marsha and Last Mass Community and all the listeners that have donated financially to the show. I have great gratitude for that, for without your help, I would not be able to keep the show on the air and to keep it free and available to people all over the world who can get onto the Internet and access the archives either at whyshamanismnow.com, which is where you would go if you would like to support, 
um, or at iTunes or at cocreatornetwork.com. And for those of you that are not able to donate financially, I am deeply grateful for the things that you do to help the show to grow and to reach others. The, the way that you share the work, be it technologically or share it in your journey circles. Share your experiences with your friends and loved, one, and loved ones. And that you share with me reflection on how this affects your life, how these things are working or not working. And out of that come really interesting questions and ideas for new shows. So I thank you all for all that you are doing to keep the show alive and vital and valuable to people at this ever so interesting time that we are all in. So the topic of our show today is about resources. There's enormous resources right now for shamanic living. And today my guest is Sandra Ingerman. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to be back, yeah. as always. And, yeah, and so S- Sandy had an extremely creative and productive year last year, and so we have many resources um, to talk about in the terms of how do we as contemporary people um, access these resources in a good way, know that they exist, and use them to begin to bring these shamanic ways of living into our lives. So for those of you that don't know, Sandy is an author and teacher and licensed therapist who is recognized internationally for addressing the needs of our times directly by bridging ancient cross-cultural healing methods with our modern culture. Um, She is the author of many books and CDs, and today, in particular, we're talking about her new ones. Um, One book is Walking in the Light, The Everyday Empowerment of Shamanic Life, and then there's another book, which she co-wrote with Lynn Roberts, called Speaking with Nature, Awakening to the Deep Wisdom of the Earth, and also there's a CD that we'll talk about with um, Tycho drumming on it, and there are other, other things that are upcoming, so we're filled with resources here today. Um, Sandy teaches workshops internationally on shamanic journeying, healing, and reversing environmental pollution using shamanic methods. And she has been writing a monthly newsletter, Transmutation News, for 15 years now, which goes out to over 8,000 people, perhaps even more now. Uh, Pardon? It's over 15,000 now. Wow, it's huge. Um, And... uh, if you would like to get access to any of these, the many things that we're talking about today, you can go to Sandra Ingerman, S-A-N-D-R-A-I-N-G-E-R-M-A-N.com. Um, and uh, just in case we run out of time at the end of the show, I do want to mention that she will begin her second um, teleconferencing course, this one entitled Shamanic Journey for Guidance and Healing, and it's an immersion practicum. And this is going to begin in February with the free introductory call um, at the end of this month, January 31st. So um, we also have previous shows with Sandy in our, in our archives at whyshamanismnow.com. Um, so we are not live today, but you are certainly welcome to e- email me questions at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I will forward whatever seems appropriate to Sandy um, if you need me to do that. So, Sandy, again, thank you. <laughs> I know yeah. you're really busy right now, so thanks for being here. No, it's um, my pleasure. So I want to talk about these new resources that you've created and co-created with others um, over this past year. I think more and more and more, at least relative to when I started in shamanism, I think that more and more people who are alone and, and often really far-flung places are finding the courage to just pick up these resources and and begin 
and you know in in my time everybody needed a a buddy <laughs> you know it's like you know, like we had to get to the classes we and there's nothing wrong with that i just feel like right now there's this kind of explosion of people who are willing to just sort of hitch up their britches and jump in and and i think partly it's because of the resources that are available that just weren't available 25 years ago i mean it's not even that long ago but they just weren't available yeah. so yeah yeah and so so well, go ahead go ahead well for me um I think that um, what really drew me to creating more resources and then going into, you know, why people are looking for more resources, um, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up in Brooklyn and I was a really happy kid when I grew up, had a really deep love for nature. And as I grew up, I, I just witnessed so much suffering around me, you know, people, um, I grew up in um an immigrant neighborhood in um, Brooklyn and, you know, people were just sad and uh, depressed and in a place of despair and trying to um, survive. And in my own life, um, besides my love for nature as a kid and love for life and excitement about trying everything new possible, I also had three near-death experiences that took me to um, numinous places where I experienced places of oneness, unconditional love, and and joy, and what it means to be a human being. And so I think that between my numinous experiences that came from my near-death experiences, and also growing up in in the 60s, where there was uh, lots of experimentation with mind-altering substances, and I had some really amazing experiences with that. I found that it became harder and harder in my life to bridge the joy um, and the meaning and all we could do here as human beings with so much of the despair that I was seeing around me. And I also felt really powerless to um, create change, like when I was demonstrating against the Vietnam War and supporting the vets but not supporting the war and seeing that my actions didn't create any kind of change, I moved into a place of depression of realizing that I can't do anything in this lifetime to create any positive change. And it was really when I got into shamanism and was introduced to shamanism that I found a practice that brought me back to a place of empowerment where I realized through my spiritual work, I was not only empowered to make personal changes in my own life, but I felt that I had the power to contribute to the global community to be part of a collective that was working together to create positive change for um, all on the web of life and the earth. And so, you know, that was what really drew me and why I write so much and why I teach so much is, you know, I've found a way to help people feel empowered. And I think that the interest in resources right now, in shamanism right now, part of it is people are scared. And when people get scared because we are going through so much change, and you can say, well, we've been going through change since the beginning of human history, there's always been change. 
but we're here now, you know, so it affects us now. And when people go through change, some people um, want an outside authority figure and will follow any leader who says, follow me and I'm going to make it better for you. And then there are the people who become curious and their own soul leads them to, what can I do to um, create a better life for myself and, and be part of this world community and contribute to being a positive change maker right now. And so I think that people are really searching right now because we're in a time of so much change and so much transition on every single level, uh, you know, economically, politically. You know, the violence has increased, the climatic changes have increased. And so people are feeling disempowered and are looking for what can I do where, where is my role here and how do I contribute and what are practices that can bring me to a place of inner peace so that I'm not so bounced around by the turbulent waves of change at the same time. And so I think that there are a lot of authors and teachers out there who are passionate about sharing. And so the book market is pretty flooded at the moment. There's so many choices. There's so many workshops. There's so many CDs. You know, it's really unbelievable. Um, but, you know, people, we all come in with a gift of what we want to share, and people are excited about doing that. And so um, even people who don't write books, you have something to share. And so I think a lot of people are seeking resources right now to see where their piece of the puzzle is and how do I feel empowered and what practices make me feel empowered and what practices help me ride the waves of change right now and give me understanding about a different perspective about all that's happening because we can get just so lost in what the media is sharing and how do we take a step back and, and get a different perspective on what's happening right now? So it sounds like these people who are scared but curious are, are the people you really wrote Walking in the Light, the Everyday Empowerment of Shamanic Life for. Well, I can't say that I wrote it for people who are scared. <laughs> right, but curious. I wrote, it, I wrote it for people who are looking for ways to feel empowered during yeah this time of change um, because there are so many you know a lot of people and we've talked about this on past shows so many people think that shamanism is all about um, you go to a shaman and the shaman performs the healing and and that's it and and you know there are shamanic healing practices and ceremonies and you're a brilliant um, shamanic practitioner and there are many many hundreds of around the world of modern-day shamanic practitioners who are helping many to heal. But shamanism is also a way of life. And when um, a person grew up in a shamanic culture, first of all, when they were born, they were acknowledged for their gift that they were bringing to the community to create a healthy and vital community and add to its strength. And then they were taught practices to live a harmonious life of how to align your words and your thoughts so that you're blessing yourself and others in the community and the world and, and how do you dream 
um, the dream you do want to live in its being and how do you uh, live in harmony with nature and how do you go through initiation experiences where <clears throat> you're being asked to shed um, parts of your life that no longer work for you and be guided by spirit. So there's a, so much of shamanism that I feel doesn't end up being addressed today of shamanism as a way of life, not as methods that we engage in. And so I wrote Walking in Light to talk about what indigenous cultures teach about for everybody, not just the shamans in the community, but every single person who lived, grew up in an indigenous shamanic culture, what were the practices that they were taught um, and that they lived in order to have light shining out of their eyes and to feel joy no matter what was going on in the outer world and how to contribute to the vitality and the strength of their community and how we can do that in our own local communities, in our own families, and for the world community at large. So that's why I wrote Walking in Light, was to give people practices, that simple practices that engage the heart and the soul. Complex practices oftentimes just engage our mind, but engage our heart and soul so that as we do simple practices on a daily basis and repeat them again and again, they become us and we become different people and we live from a higher place of consciousness. We live with feeling like we have power and gifts to be change makers in our own lives and for the planet and we contribute to the web of life. And I think that we as contemporary Americans at least, tend to be somewhat impatient and not really understand the power of practice, the incredible power of a simple thing repeated in a, in a conscious, intentional way again and again. And we, we, you know, we're always going for the big drama. <laughs> What's the, well, I did that one. What's the next thing? And, <laughs> you know, so what, I, what I'm trying to give people is things that replace um, more destructive ways of thinking mm-hmm. and destructive sure. habits of how we live our life, but positive habits of things that you can replace those with on a daily basis, where if you repeat them and commit to them and dedicate yourself to them, you start to notice that you're changing, but in a really good way. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's really near and dear to my heart, and of course the purpose for the entire show, this, this recognition that shamans and indigenous cultures don't exist in this vacuum. Like they exist, they exist in this this web of related practices that the, the entire culture is involved in, and um, and that all of those ways of being are available to all of us. And I, there's a statement in the very beginning of um, Walking in Light. Um, where you say, um, while you may not have been born with the destiny to be a shaman, it is your responsibility to live a spiritual way of life. And and I'm w- I was wondering if you would speak to that a little bit, this idea that it's actually our responsibility across the board as a human to live a spiritual way of life. Well, yes, because it's our responsibility to live a life of honor and respect, number one, for ourselves, 
for our loved ones, each other, and for nature. And part of the issues that we're seeing, the core of the issues, is that we really, um, oftentimes we don't love ourselves, we don't honor ourselves, we don't trust ourselves because of our social conditioning we were taught not to. And then we expect to live in a world where um, other human beings and species and the environment are honored, but it all starts with us. And so um, it goes back to what I was saying, that there's um, many people who, when they get afraid, they want an outside authority figure to create change and make everything better for them. Um, you know, we oftentimes go to doctors and we want a pill. You know, we. I would rather, I'm not saying myself, I'm, I'm voicing what a lot of people say. A lot of people I know say, I would rather take a pill than change my diet or change my way of living if the pill is going to bring me back to a state of health. And that's the culture that we live in. Give me something that will um, change my life that I don't have to do anything. And if we look at what's happening in the collective right now, the collective is unraveling because that way of, of living, of always looking for some external fix, um, isn't working. It's not working. And what's been taught for thousands of years is that it's the internal changes that we make. It's that that feminine um, understanding of becoming. Uh, and it's not being passive. It takes a lot of action um, in your own life to make changes so that you become a more evolved human. But it is the responsibility of every one of us to um, do that inner work to um, change how we be behave towards ourselves, others, all of life, and, and the earth. And, you know, it, it, it's really amazing. <clears throat> you know, I live in Santa Fe, which is um, a very conscious city. And we talk about New Mexico as the land of enchantment. <clears throat> Um, but recycling is not real big here. Like um, my husband and I, where we live in the city, you could do some recycling, but where we live, um, we have to drive a half an hour to recycle. And yet, in a conscious city, everybody talks about wanting to see a healthy environment, <clears throat> but yet simple actions, it's amazing how many people I know who don't recycle. And it's just one point of many of we all want to see change, but how much are we willing to get involved in making that change happen? And with is the change happens within us where it's not external, like going out and recycling, although that is necessary. You just can't be a meditator and not recycle. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> you have to... You know, you can't um, only do spiritual practices and then go out and dump <clears throat> chemicals into the earth. We have to learn how to bridge both working spiritually and taking right action towards the earth and others but within. And that is our responsibility, and that's why we're here. Um, we're here to grow and evolve, and if you look at nature, 
anything that stops growing dies. And so part of our responsibility and part of our life force and what our DNA and our own genetic coding is pushing us towards is growth and evolution. And so I think that walking in the light, um, just in the way that you've written it, um, creates that, um, I don't know what I want to say, like easy access to how someone could step out of this realization that they're stuck in that place you're describing where I'm feeling powerless and ineffective in my life to create change, and yet I'm still asking for answers that require that I don't use my power. (laughs) You know, it's like, like, hmm. And when we recognize, oh, wow, that's kind of silly, but how do I begin is a big valid question right for a lot of people there's right. so many options and i i think part of the beauty of this particular book is it's this really wonderful gradient you know from that place of but where do i begin to okay here you know here's a step and here's a step and just really gracefully moving people in to beginning to discover for themselves answers to that question is how 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 to become more empowered in themselves but also to begin to choose in life choices that are in and of themselves then more empowering for yourself and ultimately others well yeah what some of the people who um, endorse um, walking light who are shamanic teachers and some of the staff it sounds true my publisher um, they all said the same thing to me it's almost like you're taking readers by the hand and personally mm-hmm. saying here Let's take this step together, next step. And it's not just for beginners. It's also, I think, for practitioners who have been working for a long time who actually forget to bring consciousness into the simple practices because we can also get lost in the habit of doing things without bringing consciousness into it. So I also try to remind in the book, I try to take beginners Um, I take their hand and take them step by step and I tell advanced practitioners take a step back and reflect on are you doing this work and how are you doing this work and Mm -hmm. let's look at how you can do it differently um, uh, to bring more power and freshness into it at the same time and so you know I really try to uh, touch people on an individual whether they were a beginner or advanced practitioner I tried to speak that vo- a voice that actually speaks to practitioners of all different um, levels and I was also honest throughout the book um, because oftentimes when we write books, and I've done this myself, we always tell the most positive case studies of how everything worked mm-hmm. and how everything was wonderful. And, and so I also talked about um, challenges that come up for people as they do the practices, what um, oftentimes they face and, and the um, self-defeatist thoughts that come up of I can't do this or it's not going to work or it's too hard or... I tried it once and it didn't work, and how I um, encourage people to um, work with those blocks and challenges that come up. So, you know, I really try to make it user-friendly, but not just for beginners, um, for advanced people, too, to um, reflect on their practices, because I think that um, we 
we, I don't think arrogant is the right word, but I think at some point, oftentimes we go, oh, I got it. And sometimes going back to the beginning and reviewing and bringing freshness back into the practices <clears throat> bumps you up a whole nother level um, mm-hmm. to exponential change. Yeah, and I think also some practitioners sort of come by um, come by sort of where they are honestly because the training they got was so focused on becoming a shaman and that mm. particular skill set, it didn't necessarily tie those skills into this bigger picture. And so it seems like the book is a, is a really perfect companion if, if, if a listener is the kind of person who did, you know, become a shaman in 18 months or two years or something like that. And, the, and that training was very focused on that particular thing of the the, the bundle of shamanic healing skills but right. it's good once you're sort of manifesting that as you said to go back and look at but I do I am I really living the whole picture here and right. where where in my focus to be the practitioner did I miss the focus to be the human <laughs> right right yeah. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. So I did have one question, just I, I like to think of it this way, because I know a lot of my listeners really are strapped financially. So, so if someone were going to purchase one book, right, mm-hmm. how would you compare for them the resource of this new book, Walking in the Light, um, with an earlier book you wrote, which is The Shaman's Toolkit? Well, what I tried to do with The Shaman's Toolkit, and it was originally How to Thrive in Changing Times, was I found, especially I did a pilot research study through the um, University of Michigan Integrated School of Medicine where we did a pilot study showing how some of my work could help cardiac um, patients, people who had heart attacks, um, work with their depression in a positive way because one of the things that happens after people have a heart attack is they get depressed. And so... My group, it was a randomized study, and my group was 97% fundamentalist Christian. So I couldn't even say the word shamanism, and I couldn't use any shamanic terminology. And so when I wrote How to Thrive in Changing Times, I was trying to write to a broad audience who would never embrace shamanism. And... And um, the book never really sold well because I am in a box. I'm a shamanic teacher. So Mm -hmm. to try and sell a book to a non-shamanic community, it didn't do that well. And so my publisher decided, well, let's try changing the title to the Shaman's Toolkit and put Sandra Mm -hmm. back in the shamanic shelf again. Um, But the book doesn't have one word about shamanism in it. It it really was written for a non-shamanic community who doesn't want to hear about spirits or working in any um, way similar to Mm -hmm. that. Walking in Light is written for shamanic practitioners, people who are interested in shamanism. So I did teach shamanic journeying in the first part of the book, but I've written other books on shamanic journeying, but... I really wanted to focus, and this is the absolute focus of my journeying work right now, which is so important, is shamanism is basically being taught as an out-of-body experience, and Mm -hmm. I am passionate 
about teaching people that shamans were people who actually opened up a doorway and took their body completely into the invisible realm with full sensory awareness of seeing, feeling, hearing, tasting, smelling the world, the the non-ordinary realms, and that by being fully completely 100% with full <clears throat> sensory awareness in the invisible realm that was where they had the power to bring back so much healing from those realms and i i don't believe that that's being taught today people are watching their journeys like movies and tvs programs and so they're not being able to actually bring through the invisible power of the invisible realms because again they're being too passive so I tried I try what I'm um, focused on um, in the last few years has been on getting people more active in their journeys not um, just only using their senses but physically active dancing and singing and drumming and rattling um, which is what shamans did throughout time so that's a big part of the book if you that's almost a third of the book is teaching people how to journey but with full sensory awareness how to get more engaged in their journeys so they have more potential to work with the spirits in a, in a deeper way so this book is really focused um, on students who want to learn about shamanism so about the first third of the book is really teaching going deeper into teaching people about journeys than I have done before and then moving into how you can incorporate and integrate your journeys with living a shamanic way of life and bringing simple practices in and of course every chapter has journeys where you can work with a helping spirit um, and embrace your understanding of what helping spirits are, that they're not just power animals or teachers, but helping spirits can also be earth, air, water, fire, the sun, the moon, your helping ancestors, um, the spirit of the land where you live. So trying to get people to broaden who they work with as helping spirits and asking for questions and guidance and understanding of how they can deepen their shamanic way of life. So this book is really focused for a shamanic community. Um, And so it's a very, very different book in that way from um, How to Thrive in Changing Times for the Shaman's Toolkit. Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds then like this, um, this passion right now for this embodied journeying is um, probably part of what's behind your inspiration for the Taiko Drum CD. Well, uh, I've been studying Taiko Drumming for about seven really? years. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm not the best Taiko Drummer, but I've been studying <laughs> um, for seven years. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. I mean, number one, I love to drum. and um, But, I, you know, I just love working with Taiko Drums, the vibration. I could... I can go into my Tycho class feeling um, terrible, angry, despair, feeling fluey, or, you know, whatever's going on, and I pick up those drumsticks, and we start to drum it, and I am just so filled with power. And so what happened was is um, 
there is a local Taiko performance group here in Santa Fe, and I take classes with them. I've chosen not to be a performer because my, my whole teaching career is about being in front of an audience, and this was something I was doing for myself, um, not because I wanted to perform. And I said, what do you think about um, doing a drumming CD for journeying? And they didn't know what journeying was, and I had to explain that to them. It was a separate part of my life. They weren't aware of my reputation in the world. And they said, sure. And I asked, sounds true, if they would be interested. And they said, sure. And we worked together. Again, um, taiko drumming is very complex pieces and rhythms and shamanic journeying. You know, you're trying to go for more of that um, monotonous trance-like state. And so we worked really hard together. We worked for many months. We put in many, many hours of coming up with tracks that uh, used the power of the taiko drums, because the taiko drums are very big, very powerful, have a big sound. Um, but created um, not just a completely monotonous, each track has a different rhythm, but a rhythm that would be trance-like and always having um, the backbeat being monotonous so that it created that, um, that theta state for people mm-hmm. to drop into in the shamanic journeys. So we worked, God, we worked on this forever, and then um, we had to do the mixing of the tracks and making, and making the master. We did everything. We did the recording, the mixing, the mastering. And so it was a huge project, and it just happened by, quote, coincidence that the CD, Shamanic Visioning Music, Tycho Drum Journeys, is being released at exactly the same time as Walking in Light every day empowerment of shamanic life it wasn't um you know it it wasn't planned um like that it just happened like that so how would you see um people that have kind of a familiarity with journeying at least um using the the new cd the taiko drumming cd well you know i think that um uh again like when i listen to the same journey um drumming cd again and again and again I sometimes um, go unconscious of <laughs> all of a sudden, I, I didn't go to sleep, um, I don't remember a journey, I just, it, the drumming has become so habitual for me, I just spaced out. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, freshening up your practice, shaking things up, it's something I talk about in Walking in Light a lot, is um, the need to change something up, if you do the same thing all the time, it becomes so habitual, it actually loses power. Um, and you have to change how you, you prepare and um, change something in what you do so that you fully engage in the process again. And so um, listening to different drumming CDs, and I have a variety of different drumming CDs that I listen to, and you know, I created um, um, soul journeys music for shamanic practice with different instruments for the same reason of shake it up bring in a different sound and with that different sound um, it takes you deeper into your journey state because all of a sudden 
you're listening to music that was unexpected. You didn't expect that instrument in Soul Journeys, or you didn't expect that rhythm or the sound of the odaiko and how does the odaiko, which is the huge drum that's used in taiko drumming, how does that reverberation in your body change your journey experience? So, you know, it's just important. It's, it's kind of like this paradox of getting into the habit of doing spiritual work so that your spiritual work becomes you, but not doing your work so habitually that it loses power. It's like, you know, I lead this monthly full moon ceremony creating a human web of light, and we've done this ceremony for 15 years. And so I became aware at some point, and I'm sure I know many of my readers have, oh, it's the full moon. Um, okay, I'm a being of light, and I'm connecting with the web of light. But am I really connecting with the web of light? Am I really making a difference in the collective when I just stop for one second and say, oh, yeah, today's creating the human web of light, and I'm just going to shine for a minute? Or do I take the time and take a walk outside and change up my journey of how I experience my divine light so that it's more on a, I feel it more on a cellular level so that there's more of a transmission that impacts the collective consciousness, the collective field of energy. And so it's the same thing with our journeys and all of our practices. It's kind of like how much are you really putting yourself in and engaging in them and how much have they just become un, um, habitual so that you actually become unconscious when you do the work mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then just say well you know we we never really know the result of ceremony so it's okay <laughs> you know as this kind of past right. we're not really paying attention to how much we're engaging right. so I'm wondering it's t- tell us a little bit about your app as another well, my, resource for people. I don't. I, I had. Um, I I did my app for you know my students, and I also did it for myself. And I've been working with my app for a year. It's called Transmutation, and uh, right now it's only available for Apple products. I have been trying to create a version for Android, but I've had a problem finding people who could um, um, work um, and just convert the app to Android. But what it is is where you um, you uh, program your device. And I made it for people like me who can't do anything on, advi- on devices. You know, I'm not, you. Techno- <laughs> you know, I'm just not technologically um, wired like that. So, you know, the guy who I created with, I said, we have to do it the simplest, the absolute simplest way possible. So you you tell that you um, program into the app. You're given a choice of getting a message every one hour, two hours, or four hours. Where you I um, recorded fairy bells, a Tibetan bowl, and some of my chimes outside my house. And every either one or two or four hours, your choice. You hear whichever sounds you pick, fairy bells or a Tibetan bowl or chimes, and a message comes up on your device that says, what are you thinking about right now? And then you push that, and it takes you into a library where you could either um, push word, and an inspiring word like inspiration might come up, 
or um, a phrase, I am being held in the loving arms of the universe, or a blessing. Um, may you always um, feel the power of the sun, or a photo, and we put in photos of um, baby animals. Um, and so there's like 30 of each thing, 30 words, 30 phrases, 30 blessings, photos that just come up alternate, you know, just um, randomly, randomly. Yeah. Um, uh, to try and help you shift whatever mood that you're in to help you align your thoughts to where you actually want to be going um, during your day. Because, you know, we get lost in negative looping. And so the app's been out for months now, but <clears throat> I became a tester for it um, starting last January, so I've been using it for a year now, and I love it. You know, I love when those little very I have my iPad um, program for the chimes, and I have my phone program for fairy bells, and I love when I hear the little bells ringing every two hours, and I have to stop. Again, this is about not getting habitual and engaging in your spiritual work, and I have to stop and I have to reflect on if I'm doing my spiritual work. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's been very powerful for me, and it's fun to be at workshops and hear everybody's cells going off. Or I'll be in a restaurant somewhere and I'll hear somebody's cells going off. <laughs> so well, I've gotten which, a lot of great feedback on it. Yeah, well, and it kind of brings me to this you know, there is this one big resource that has entered all of our lives, which is this online and internet technology and all of our smart whatevers that allow us to connect to it. And I know I'm not a Luddite, but I was pretty slow getting on board because I really value the live presence and the importance of oral traditions. And even though I step, you know, really carefully with using this technology, I have to admit that I get the most amazing emails from listeners who have used the radio show to do things I never imagined could be done. You know, I just had no idea people could make all of this happen in their lives from, you know, podcast. I mean, I just, I just, I, I just couldn't imagine it. And so I'm honestly really kind of humbled and shocked on a regular basis. And so, you know, I think there's aspects of shamanism that really do lend themselves to this technology that's developing right now, because, well, shamanism happens, a lot of it happens outside of space and time, and it functions very powerfully often at a distance, you know, so all these things, I don't know, they kind of work. I mean, do you, do you sense a, a, a shadow side in our moving forward with this technology well, for shamanism? Of course, there's a shadow side to everything. Yes. Um, you know, I think, again, um, um, there is something that can be lost from not actually sitting in a physical circle and, you know, doing the work and taking the time to really engage, you know, fully in the work. I found the online courses to be unbelievably powerful. I taught a few through Sounds True, and then now I'm, I'm on the um, next to the last um, uh, teleconferencing session for my course through the SHIP Network. And one of the things I'm doing differently on this teleconferencing course with the SHIP Network um, that I had never done, I've never done this before, ever, that's just been an amazing experience is, is I lead these virtual ceremonies that go on for 20 to 30 minutes. 
and um, I guide people. Uh, we do fire ceremonies for bringing our dreams to the fire, for releasing blocking beliefs. We've done um, healing ceremonies where I alphabetically have half the group lie in the middle of the circle while the other half brings through the power of their helping spirits to perform a healing. But, you know, we go step by step. We start with the cleansing. <clears throat> we start with um, meeting together at a special place. Um, <clears throat> so, the you know, the ceremony takes about a half an hour because we go through every step of getting to the ceremonial space, preparing, calling in the spirits, the cleansing, the performing the ceremony, the thanking the spirits, the walking back. And I really um, encourage my students to drum and rattle and sing and dance, you know, to put their phone on speaker or to use headphones so that, <clears throat> again, they're not just sitting, but they're moving. And because we have a Facebook farm and, and so many hundreds of people are um, share, um, most of the group is singing, dancing, rattling as if they're at a ceremony. And the power, I vibrate for days after these ceremonies. I mean, the power has been extraordinary. And so it's really taught me that we really can perform um, powerful ceremonies where we're not watching them like a movie again, um, which is the shadow side of any shamanic work but fully engaging body, mind, and spirit, um, working together with people all around the world. Not everybody can listen and engage at the same time because some people need to listen two days later because of their work schedule or because of the time of day um, that the call is going on live. But it doesn't matter. The power is still there because the ceremony is still happening in non-ordinary reality. And so it's really shown me how we can gather a world community together who can't um, travel um, for a variety of reasons, but we can still do the work together and we can still do powerful journey work together. And with all my online courses that I did with Sounds True and this one for the Shift Network, there's a forum so that people can share with each other. So. Um, you know, it engages people more. And unlike a workshop where you go home, people are sharing every day for two months. Um, so there's a lot that I can share as a teacher, a lot of wisdom that I can't bring through in a short workshop because everybody's gone. But um, based on questions and things that people are sharing in the forum, I can take the teachings to a different level. I can share you know, a whole nother level of the teaching in that particular way. So it really is a powerful way for people to um, engage in the work. And, and there's also a power from people physically coming together in local communities to do workshops together. So I think it's a both and, but um, the whole teleconferencing online is a way that a lot of people are choosing to engage in spiritual practices, including shamanic work. And I can't teach something like how to do a soul retrieval for a person um, over the phone. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But like in my part two course that's coming up um, for the Shift Network, I do feel comfortable about teaching people how to do soul retrieval for land or 
first city that's gone through violence, how to bring people together in community um, in Ferguson, Missouri, or in Paris, or wherever unrest is going on, and how to perform a ceremony that goes beyond um, shamanic languaging to bring people together from all faiths and all traditions to come together to call back in the life force and the love of that city and how that changes people and how that heals some of the unrest that happens. Um, you know, that's something I can do um, through teleconferencing, and that's a very powerful thing. Um, so are people right journeying in the teleconferencing? Or yes. Yeah, I lead, yeah what, what happens is, is I talk a bit, and then um, I lead journeys. The first couple of journeys that I, I led in the intro course that I'm finishing up, I guided. But then I just started giving intentions. And I drum over the phone. Everybody journeys. And then um, we move into doing a virtual ceremony on that topic, as I said, where we, I call in the spirits. Um, I rattle. I sing. I lead people step-by-step through a ceremony and lead them step-by-step back into their room again. So I do a lot um, in the teleconferencing. I'm supposed to leave a half an hour for questions, but I don't because we have the farm. Um, (laughs) I give people a whole hour and a half, and um, we journey. We do ceremonies, and we keep it very experiential and very deep. And when people journey, again, I encourage them to drum while I drum, rattle, while I rattle, chant their journeys, dance their journeys. So it's not just, again, I, I really am trying to get people away from the passive form of journeying, which was never seen in a shamanic culture. Yeah, yeah. So can people who, um, so what's like a prerequisite to be able to join you in this next round of the teleconference? Can anybody? Well, well um, people with experience, um, in journeying, because we are going to be journeying in behalf of others. I'm not going to teach soul retrieval extraction or anything, but I will teach how to journey and ask a question for another person. So what the Shift Network will do is they'll bundle part one and part two for people who didn't do part one at a discounted uh, rate, mm-hmm. you know, to get them the prerequisite. Um, and on an individual basis, people who don't want, you know, to get the part one but have a lot of experience with journeying, um, the Shift Network will help them, you know, register for part two. But the, because of the ceremonies that I did and because I'm constantly going to be referring back to part one, we're trying to get people to do a discounted bundle. So when I say, remember when we did the fire ceremony, in session three, everybody knows what that fire ceremony yeah. was. Well, Sandy, this is very exciting as you're pioneering here for all of us. Um, thank you for all of these wonderful new resources um, <laughs> that have burst onto the scene this year. Um, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Christina. And as always, I want to thank you for all the brilliant work that you're doing because I hear, I'm constantly hearing about your show and constantly hearing from people how much they get from it. I see it on Facebook. I, I hear about it at my workshops and in emails and on Yahoo groups. So you really are making a very big difference. Thank you, Sandy. It is amazing, isn't it, this technology yes. thing? I never <laughs> thought, you know. <laughs> well, 
thank you, Sandy. Thanks to your ancestors. Thanks to those who hold us well. Thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the hearts we all share that unite us. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.